I want to title this message, House Party. House Party. Turn to someone next to you and say, you're invited to the house party. You know, Jesus was always throwing a party. He was always showing up to a party. He was always having some sort of a house party from the beginning of his ministry, even up till the end. Like literally one of the last things he does is he crashes a house and he brings a party. He shows up and reminds his disciples that the cross did not finish his final word, that he rose from the grave, that he was not dead. He was alive. Jesus brought the party with him wherever he went. Jesus would interrupt people's discouragement, depression, sadness, fear, anxiety, anger, self-righteousness, and he would bring a party of love, forgiveness, salvation, acceptance. And so in this story, Jesus was talking to his disciples in Luke 14. And when one of those at the table was with him, they heard Jesus talking. Jesus said, blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. By the way, we're going to have a huge feast one day in heaven with all of our loved ones. Just as Ashley was talking, we're going to be reunited with grandparents, parents, relatives, kids, babies that, 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 that you never got to see live out their life here. One day, we're going to join together with all those who have died in Christ, and we will have a marriage supper of the Lamb, and it's going to be a great feast. I'm looking forward to it. You know, one of my favorite things about a party is the food. Like, I, like, when I come to a house party, first place I'm going is the kitchen, right? I'm going in there to see the snacks, to see what we got. I'm scoping it out. I just went to a Christmas party last week. They're already beginning. And, and, and first thing I did is I walked into the kitchen. I go, all right, what are we working with here? What do we got? What kind of snacks we got? We got some puppy chow. We got some, we got some caramel popcorn. We got some Chex Mix. Because a good party has a good feast, right? And so in this story, Jesus says there was a party happening. And the kingdom of heaven is like a party. He says this, there was a certain man who was preparing a great party, a banquet. And he invited many guests. By the way, God is inviting as many people as possible to the party. It's his desire that as many people would come into the kingdom of God as possible. And at the time of the party, party started at 7 p.m. He told his servant, he said, go and tell everyone who's been invited, it's time to come. The party's been set. I remember I threw this party when I was in sixth grade. I was so excited. First, like, big birthday party. Told my mom and dad, I'm, I'm inviting 25 people. I had picked out 25 cool kids in my class that I thought they should come to the party. And my dad, you know, is, like, rolling his eyes. He's like, Paul, you should invite, you know, not just the cool kids, but everybody. I was like, Dad, I want the cool kids to come. The party started at 7 p.m., and at 7.05, nobody showed up to the party. My brother walks into the living room. He's like, nobody likes you. I was like, stop it. <laughs> he was like, don't worry, I'll share one of my friends with you. He invited one of his friends because he felt bad for me. So one of his friends came over, and one guy ended up coming, Daniel, and uh, Daniel Mao. And so, so we're sitting there, and I told my mom, Mom, 25 people are coming. We got to order a lot of Mazio's pizza. We got to make a lot of chocolate chip cookies. Y'all, we have 10 boxes of pizza, and like three of us are just sitting there. And my mom and dad were just like quiet, sitting at the table. It was really depressing. <laughs> We're just eating the pizza, and then the cookies came out, and nobody showed up, like 8 p.m., 9 p.m. I was like, what happened? And this is kind of what happened in the story. Nobody was showing up to the party. They all began to make excuses. Look at this. In Luke 14, verse 18, it says, the people who had been invited began to tell all the servants that had told them the party was starting their excuses. One said, I just bought a field, 
and I don't, I don't have time. I've got to go and take care of it. I, another one said, I just bought some oxen, and I can't do that. And then the next guy said, I just got married, so I definitely can't come, which is really funny. And, uh, and then, like, what's going on? All right. The next verse, the servant comes back, and he reports to his master, and the owner of the house got angry. And Jesus said, this is the kingdom of heaven. The party is set, but the people who were invited didn't show up. And he says this, go out and quickly go into the streets and the alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Go invite everyone you can find. And the servant reported back to him. He said, sir, I did what you asked me to do, but there's still more room. Just say that with me. There's still more room. So at the end of my birthday party in sixth grade, my dad said, Paul, here's your problem. You have a small circle. You're thinking small-minded. He said, Paul, you shouldn't just invite 25. You should invite your whole class. How many people are in your grade? I said, Dad, there's probably like 100 people. He said, next year, invite them all. He said, there's room in my house for more people. And so the next year rolled around, and I invited my whole class, and 25 people showed up. He goes, look at this, Paul. You quadrupled your numbers from last year. He's like, you're doing good, son. He's like, keep trying. You're making friends, you know? And... Uh, and people showed up, and it was good. And then the next year, he said, invite more people. So I invited more people, and there was about 40 or 50 who came. Ninth grade, I had about 70 people show up. The birthdays started growing. People started telling their friends about it. You got to go to Paul's birthday party, August 27th, right? So people started coming. Tenth grade, it grew over 100 people. My 11th grade birthday had grown to like 120, 130 people. And I thought, this is it. We're maxed out. Any more than this is just going to be an inconvenience to park, to get into the house, but my dad stretched my thinking. He said, Paul, there's still more room in the house. This is what the master told the servant in verse 23 of Luke 14. He says, go out to the roads. Go to the country lanes. Come on, go out to the country lanes of Oklahoma. Compel them to come in from Glenpool, from Kiefer, from Bixby, from Owasso, from Sepulpa, from Skyatook, from East Tulsa, West Tulsa, North Tulsa, South Tulsa, from all over the world. And then he says this, so that my house will be full. Everybody say full house. When God sees an empty seat, he sees a future person getting saved, getting healed, getting set free, an addict who walks in victory over their addiction. When we see empty seats, we may not think much about it. We might go, oh, good, I don't have to sit next to somebody at church. I can have extra leg space. I don't have somebody breathing next to me, right? <laughs> it was six feet away. It's COVID time. So, so we like our space, but God says, I want it to be packed. I want the house to be full. And he tells the servant, I want there to be a full house. So my dad told me after my 11th grade birthday, he said, Paul, next year's your senior year. He said, draw the biggest circle you've, you've drawn before. Include more people than you've ever included. All people are welcome to the house. And I was like, all people? And he goes, just don't tell your mom. But yes, all. <laughs> He's like, your mom might get a little upset, but let's invite as many people as possible. So I did. I printed flyers. I put our address on the flyers. I put our phone number. I said, tonight, 7 p.m., bring a swimsuit. Modest is hottest. Wear a modest swimsuit. Come on, somebody. You're coming to the pastor's house. And you're better, you're better, you know. So, so <laughs> I started printing these flyers. I put them around the school, put them around the church. I was inviting the youth group. And then I snuck into the principal's office. 
I got onto the intercom the day of my birthday. And I go, hey, guys, this is Paul Doherty. I don't know when I'm going to get pulled off this intercom, but come tonight to my birthday. The address is 74136 in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And then, you know, I start saying the address. And that night, 500 people showed up to my mom and dad's house. It was the most epic birthday party. It was amazing. Kids came in their floaties, right? And they were like in kindergarten. They were like, thanks for the invite, Paul. It was awesome. We were just throwing little kids into the pool and just flying in the air. We had seniors, juniors, sophomores, freshmen, people in middle school, elementary, all the way down to the littlest kids. I had like grandparents showing up and grandparents' friends and buddies from the neighborhood. My friend Gordon was there. He's in his 60s, a lawyer from Tulsa just showing up, like attorneys just walking in. And my mom was like, what? What happened? And my dad was like, I love it. The house is full, you know, just creating an awesome atmosphere. This is the will of our Father. He wants his house to be full. He wants as many people to come as possible. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, his most famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, verse 13, he says, you are the salt of the earth. You are, everybody say, stay salty. Ask the person next to you, are you salty? Are you salty? You seem a little salty lately. How many of y'all know some salty people? You live with some salty people. But, but what I'm talking about here is I'm talking about a different kind of salt. You know, salt, things don't taste good without, like salt makes things taste better. You know what I'm saying? Like if I'm eating corn, I'm putting some salt on that corn. I'm putting salt on everything. <laughs> salt just makes things taste better. Salt can help things to rise, right? Salt brings the flavoring that you need. And what Jesus was saying is, I put you on the earth to bring the flavors of God to your workplace, to bring the flavor of God to the people around you, to bring the hope, to bring the love, to bring the compassion, to bring the joy. And then he says, but if the salt loses its saltiness, if Christians lose their joy, if Christians forget the joy of their salvation, and instead of coming to church with a sense of purpose, a sense of assignment every week that I'm assigned by God strategically to minister to people that I run into at Quick Trip, Walmart, my workplace, my family. If I forget the reason that I'm alive and I turn life all about me and I become extremely self-centered and self-focused and what about me and nobody's inviting me anywhere and I didn't get what I wanted this week and I'm not making enough and people aren't you know, doing enough for me and me, 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 me. If salt loses its saltiness, if the church turns inwardly only about themselves, then what good is the salt for? Jesus was saying is the church is meant to flavor outside the building. We're meant to bring the flavor of God everywhere we go. People should see the joy of the Lord. We shouldn't come to church like we're going to God's funeral, right? Like, oh, it's church. Nobody laugh. We gotta remain serious. I'm glad at Victory we're not a super serious stiff-necked church. We, we have fun here, right? We have a good time. And you know what? God wants you to bring that to people around you. God wants you to bring the joy of the Lord to people around you. He wants you to bring hope when people are talking about despair and discouragement and the death toll and, and the sickness and the virus and the, the latest strand of Omricon and, and all of the stuff that's going on. And did you hear about this news? And that we would interrupt the negative news with the good news, that we would bring the salt to the earth. 
that's full of so much sadness and so much darkness and division and strife that we would interrupt it. He says, you are the salt of the earth. And then he says this in verse 14, you're the light of the world. Now in John chapter one, the announcement was that the light had come into the world. Jesus was the light. I am the light of the world. But now Jesus is saying, no, you're the light of the world. Because if I live in you, you have a light to shine to people around you. And you're a city on a hill. I remember going over to that house in Peru, uh, Pastor Sonia's house and Danny's house. And when she said, mi casa, su casa, I walked out her backyard and I realized her house was on a hill. It was on top of a hill in Peru and there were houses below and, and it was beautiful. It stood out. And in the same way, God has called us to stand out a city on a hill, a light for the whole community. This is why as a church, we don't shut our doors during a pandemic. This is why we stay open. This is why we keep ministering to people. Don't you ever forget that victory will never be the church that shuts down. We will always be the church that opens up. So if you want to be a part of this, this kind of a house, you're in the right place. If you wonder if we're going to shut down next year because of a mayor or a governor, listen, we're going to keep on opening up however we can, wherever we can. If I got to get on the rooftop, if I got to preach from a helicopter, if we got to stand on top of our cars, we're going to gather in person because Jesus died on the cross. He rose from the dead and he started the church in Acts and the gates of hell cannot prevail against it. And the church has a purpose and it's bigger than a website and it's bigger than YouTube. And we're not just here to be on TV. We are here to be salt and light to our city, the hands and feet of God, bringing food, bringing help, bringing hope, raising up generations, having a youth group that's open, a children's church that's open, a school that's open. And we're not shutting down. And I'm stirred. Man, I feel the Holy Spirit on that right there. Too many people are just bowing down to whatever the culture sets. Just, just allowing the culture to determine what the church is going to do. But our church is going to determine what the culture is going to do. We are shaping culture. We are changing people's minds. The church does not have to bow down to the spirit of fear. We don't have to bow down to the spirit of depression or closure or destruction or conformity to what the world wants us to do. The church is changing culture, and I love it. I'd rather be accused of the church that's open than be agreed with by the world that we shut down. I'd rather be, I, listen, I'd rather, I'd rather people misunderstand us for being open, ministering to people, than be happy that we've shut down. Because I don't need their happiness over being shut down. We're called to reach people. Jesus says, Matthew 10, verse 8, he says, go to the lost. Don't just go to church people, but go to people who are lost. Go to the confused people right here in the neighborhood. This is Matthew 10, verse 8. And he says, tell them that the kingdom of God is here. The party is happening. Bring health to the sick people. Raise the dead. Touch the untouchables. Kick out demonic spirits. You have been blessed generously, so live generously. Freely you have received, now freely give. Paul said it like this in 1 Corinthians 15. The gospel that I received is now the gospel that I'm sharing with you. I was given an invitation so that I can invite others. As we go into Christmas production this weekend, and, and, and we're going to be having services Wednesday night, Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday. We're going to be doing toy giveaways here and at the Dream Center for any boys and girls, families that are in need this Christmas. We're going to be ministering to people. 
And there are a lot of people in our city that are just waiting for an invitation. They're just waiting for someone to see them and say, hey, you're invited to the party. There's a party happening and God wants you to come. What holds us back from coming to the house party? I think for a lot of us, it's guilt. What holds us back from experiencing the forgiveness of God? It's guilt. We carry shame for our past. It's, 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 it's this sense of, I don't have what it takes to receive the goodness of God, the grace of God. This is how the prodigal son thought when his dad was waiting for him to come home. He felt so ashamed. He was eating from the pig pen. And Jesus said that he, he, had, he had spent all of his money on wild living. He had done all kinds of bad stuff. And he found himself eating from the same place that the pigs were eating. And he thought, maybe I could go back to my dad's house. But I don't think he would accept me. So I could live in the, in the servants' quarters. I could live in the barn. I could go stay somewhere else and, and maybe just be a hired servant for my dad. I don't think he would accept me in his house. But when he started to take a step back home, what happened? His father was waiting for him on the front porch, running down the road to give him a big hug, to put a robe on him, to say, you are my boy. And the son started crying. He started trying to tell his dad, I'm sorry, I messed up. I did so many bad things. I don't deserve to be welcomed back home. But the dad said, kill the fatted calf. Get the steak ready. We're throwing the biggest party tonight. All people are invited. But then one person wouldn't come in. Who wouldn't come into the house party? It was the older brother. And it wasn't because of shame. It was because of self-righteousness. What holds people back from coming to the house? It's guilt. It's busyness. It's misplaced priorities. It's self-righteousness. Just like you heard in the, in the parable of the banquet, people made excuses. They said, well, I got other stuff to do. You're not the priority, God. The church is not the priority. The relationship with Jesus is not the priority. And I want the band to come up because I, I really want to take us to the end of this thought here that all of us in this room have been invited, but not just invited for us to invite others, but invited for us to experience what Jesus has for us. So many people come to church, but they're not tapping into the full reserve that God has for them. We're not experiencing all the joy God has for us. We're not experiencing all the peace, all the forgiveness and sometimes it's because we're like that older brother. We go, well, hold up. I've worked really hard this last year. I've done all these good things. And, and how are you going to love this guy who messed up? This older brother couldn't handle that God was throwing a party for sinners. And so he stayed outside the house. Out of his own religiosity, out of his own self-righteousness, he missed out on what God was doing. And Jesus said, this is what happens to so many religious people. Instead of being part of the party and experiencing what God has for them and inviting others, they stand out. They stand outside the house party and they judge other people. You know, this last week I was driving down the road and, and uh, I had Liam, Benny, and Mac with me, my three boys. And we were driving through Walmart. We had to go run a couple errands. And as we're driving through the Walmart parking lot, I'm looking this way. I'm looking up because, you know, as adults, our eyes are up here. But my kids are down here. So they're looking out their window, and they see down. And they say, Dad, did you see that man back there? And I said, who? And they said, there was a man back there. And I said, I didn't see him. They said, well, he was sitting down under the tree. And I said, what tree? And they said, that tree back there in the parking lot, in the Walmart parking lot. And I said, oh, okay. No, I didn't see him. They said, well, we need to go back and help him. And I said, boys, we're in a hurry. We got to, mommy needs us to get, pick up some stuff and we're going to head home. And they said, daddy, can we go back and help this man? And I was like, yes, <laughs> I will do it. They were really convicting me. It was healthy, right? I needed, I needed that healthy conviction. And so I turned the car around 
And they said, Daddy, do you have any money? And I said, I don't. I just have my credit card. And they said, well, let's, let's go back to the church and let's get as many groceries as we can. And let's get a Bible. Let's get some books. And I was like, that's a good idea. And so we came back to the church and I texted Ashley. I said, we're going to be late, but it's going to be good. And she was like, what's happened? I was like, I'll tell you later. So I come back here and get some food. We get some stuff and I give him a book. And, and we get out of the car and I start handing it to him. I, I posted a couple of pictures on social media about this because it was so inspiring. But the boys got out of the car and they started giving him the groceries. They started giving him the Bible. And the man just starts tearing up. And he said, I got five kids too. He said, I haven't seen him in seven years. I've been living on the streets. And he said, I just, I want to say thank you for seeing me. Thank you for stopping for me. And the boys said, can we pray for you? And he said, yes, I, wanna, I, want, I want your prayer. So we prayed for him right there and took a picture with him. And I was just thinking how so many people in our city are just waiting for someone to stop in their busy schedules, stop in their priorities that, that everything is up here. And God says, I want you to bring that priority of evangelism, that priority of compassion up to the top of your list. I want you to allow yourself to be interrupted by the people that are all over the city that need an invitation. They need someone to stop and see them and pray for them and minister to them. They're in the Walmart parking lot. They're in Quick Trip. They're at your job. They're in the cubicle right next to you. They're in your neighborhood. They're having, they're having a hard time right next door. You can hear the screaming. You walk outside and you just go straight to your car and keep driving. They're in the apartment complex right there where you live. They're in your dormitory. People all around are waiting for you to see them. What stops us from bringing others to the house party? We get too busy. Just like you heard in the, in, the, in the Good Samaritan story, people were too busy. They were headed to church. They had stuff to do. Got a Bible study. We get to a place where we start judging people. Well, we go, I don't know. They, you know they've kind of messed up too much. God always sees mercy for everybody out there. While we might be in a place of judgment, God is always in a place of mercy. He's always looking to give people the chance to receive hope and salvation and forgiveness. You might have a loved one that you've already canceled in your mind. You might have someone in your life where you go, I just don't know if they'll ever get saved or if they'll ever get set free from their addictions. But God says, if there's breath in their lungs, there's hope for their future. If there's breath in their lungs, I still got a plan for their life. Don't ever cancel someone thinking that God could not save them, that God could not bring them to the house party. Even in the dying breaths of the criminal on the cross, he said, Jesus, I believe in you. Will you remember me when you enter into paradise? Jesus said, not only will I remember you, you will be with me. In his last dying breaths, he received salvation. Don't ever give up on anyone that you see out there, anyone that you know. Keep inviting them. Sometimes we become content with who's already in the room. We go, Paul, we've got a good enough, you know, size church. Let's just keep it this size right here. I don't want to add any more people. I mean, the traffic is already kind of rough in the parking lot, and I already got to wait an extra 10 minutes on my coffee for the cafe. What if you had to wait an extra 40 minutes because the line went way out the building because the whole city started showing up to victory? What if it took you an hour to park? Would you be okay with overcoming the obstacles of a bigger church because we're reaching more people? We're depopulating hell. We're setting addicts free. We're getting people off the streets. We're getting families restored. Would you be okay with being a little less comfortable, a little more inconvenienced so that some more people could get saved. Got a couple amens this morning.
Some of y'all are thinking about it. You're like, I don't know, but I'll think about it. Let's not be like that monkey that steals all the bananas. <laughs> Stingy salvation mindset. It's all for me. No, God says, I saved you to save others. I rescued you to rescue others. I remember going to a wedding a while back. And um, when I showed up to the banquet afterwards, the party afterwards, the after party, they had a list. There was two people sitting at the table. And I showed up, and it was at the Renaissance Hotel. There was like a big ballroom they had rented. And, and, um, and so I'm, I'm walking down the hallway, and I can see inside the room. There's people in there. They got snacks. They got juice. They, you know, people are having a good time. And I'm standing at the table, and the two people at the table go, you're not on the list. And I said, no, no, no. I promise you I'm on the list. They said, ah, we don't see your name. What's your name? I said, Paul Doherty. They said, no, you're not on the list. I said, I am good friends with these people. I promise you. And they said, well, if, if you're not on the list, you can't come in. Another person came up. They said, no, no, you're not on the list either. And they started turning all of us away. And there was about 15 of us that were getting really offended. Our feelings were hurt. We were standing out in the hallway. And then the groom came out. And he goes, what are you doing? He looked at the people at the table. He goes, what are you doing? They said, we're doing what we're supposed to do. He said, you're turning my friends away. They said, well, they're not on the list. He goes, you got the wrong list. He said, all these people are invited to the party. Bring them in. I was like, that's right. I knew I was his friend. Let me come there. And I was like, you. And I just wonder if sometimes we as Christians are like those two people at the table. We're turning people away from the party. And Jesus comes out and he goes, hold up. They're welcome here. They're welcome here. Let them come in the room. Well, they haven't cleaned up. They're not as straight as us. They're not as perfect as us. This is a church for imperfect people. This is a church for people who need Jesus, who need salvation, who need grace. Anyone in this room just need more Jesus in your life? You're in the right place. If you're perfect and you figured it all out, God bless you. But we're trying to, we're trying to reach as many people. I want you to stand your feet all over this place. Here's how the gospel works. Here's how the house party works. Number one, we're invited and we accept the invitation. That's salvation. That's letting Jesus come into your heart. Number two, we are equipped with God's word to live out that salvation, to experience what he has for our lives. And number three, we are commissioned and empowered. It's not just a suggestion. He says, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Share this good news. Just like the shepherds shared the invitation with everyone they met. But as we end today, I want you to just close your eyes all over this room. And I want to pray for you for two things. One, I want to pray for boldness this week to invite people to church, to invite people to Jesus, to pray with people, to witness to people. I want you to have courage this week to get out of your comfort zone and talk to someone, maybe a stranger, and tell them about what's happening at Victory. Give them a Christmas invite, production invite card that you would say, hey, come to church this week. We got a Christmas show happening at our church. It's free. And you should come. We're going to tell the story of Jesus' birth, how he came for all of us. It's going to be amazing. You should tell all your friends and family on social media about it. Invite people. And you say, Paul, why should I do that? Because someone needs your invitation. You will reach people I could never reach. You have a salt flavoring that's different than my salt flavoring. You have a personality that's going to connect with people I could never connect with. And a lot of people won't watch a commercial on TV. They won't look at a flyer, but they will look at your life and they will hear your words and they will take your invitation. But before we get courageous to invite, we have to personally love what we're a part of because you don't talk about something unless you love it. 
And to love it, you've got to know that it's done something in your life. David, at one point in his life, had forgotten the joy of his salvation. He had become a little complacent, a little lackadaisical. He had kind of forgotten what it meant to really wake up with a sense of purpose, life, joy. He'd gotten a little depressed by all the stuff that had happened in his life. David had some mood swing moments in his life. And he wrote this scripture in Psalm 51. He said, restore to me the joy of your salvation. Remind me what it's like to be joyful. Remind me what it's like to wake up and feel purpose in my heart. And today we're gonna end with a praise song. But before we do, I wanna pray for anyone in the room. You're in this holiday season, you're going into Christmas season, and maybe you feel lonely. Maybe you feel sad. Maybe you're tempted to just kind of coast through the end of this year. Maybe you've lost that excitement, that joy of your salvation, that sense of peace and hope and love and faith and compassion and, and just feeling like you got a reason to sing, a reason to smile, a reason to laugh. And you're here today and you go, Paul, would you pray for me to just get that joy, that house party, to really see what God wants to do in my life through my life for people around me with heads bowed, eyes closed. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand. You're saying, pray for me to get my joy back. Pray for me to not live depressed this month. Pray for me to, 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 to really see my purpose every day, to wake up with a reason to sing, a reason to worship, a reason to laugh. Maybe you're here today and you say, Paul, I, I need boldness. There's people in my life I need to witness to and I've not witnessed to them. And I just need that, that healthy dose of boldness this week to reach out and share the good news with others. If that's you, raise your hand. I wanna pray for you. All right, here's what I'm gonna ask you to do. If you raise your hand for either of those or you just need to shake off some depression, I want you to leave your seat. Come and meet me at this altar. Just step out from your seat. If you need prayer today, come on down to the front. If you need to get right with God today, come on down to the front. If you need to get saved, forgiven, if you need healing, restoration, come on down to the front. Come on, this is a week of hope. This is a house party. This is a place of joy, forgiveness, salvation, acceptance, love. God sees you. He cares about you. He's not finished with you. Your best days are in front of you. And if you today, you say, man, I just need to shake some stuff off. The enemy's been messing with me, some discouragement, some fear, some anxiety, some stress about finances, some stress about family, stress about other stuff. Bring it to the altar. We're going to dance this. Instead of ending with the slow song, we're going to end with the fast song this morning. And I want those of you that raised your hands or you wanted to raise your hand or you need prayer or you just need to shake off some discouragement or depression. I want you to leave your seat. Come and meet me at this altar. Come down as you are. Come as you are. Bring whatever you're walking through. You might want to come with a friend. You might want to come with your family. You might want to come. Just come by yourself if you have to. But you find a place at this altar and you declare, Jesus, you have the victory in my life. You changed me. You turned me around. Lord, I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your grace. Lord, I thank you for your salvation. Go ahead. Just leave your seat. Come and find a place at this altar. And let's just finish today in praise. Let's finish today with the song of hope. You picked me up. You turned me around. You placed my feet on solid ground. I thank the master. I thank the Savior. Because he healed my heart. He changed my name. Forever free. I'm not the same. I thank the master. I thank the Savior. No choice but to believe. My doubts are burning. 
They throw a party when one sinner repents. 
and gets right with God. And I'm telling you, we're, we're coming into harvest season. There's people this week that are gonna be saved. They're gonna be set free. There's people this month that are gonna be ministered to. And we have a party worth inviting people to. How many of y'all will take this invitation and share it with others this week to bring someone to church, invite them to the Christmas play? Pray this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, I'm all yours. Thank you for giving your life for me. You died on the cross. You rose from the grave. You are my savior. You are my Lord. I receive your joy. I receive your peace. I receive your forgiveness. I receive your salvation. And I'm gonna share it with others. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. I love you, Victory.